something's up with that guy. Yeah, like that last hand he won. Six silver jacks. Matter of fact, it seems to me that every hand he has won, three sixes has had something to do with it. Six, six, six. It, it ain't normal, a guy getting three sixes every hand. And I think we all know what three sixes has been known to mean. We're gonna go for a joyride. You've just made a wrong turn heading south onto strange highways. Enter Death's waiting room if you dare. And welcome to Strange Highways. I am Paul. And hey guys, it's Terry here. And uh, I hope you enjoyed our conversation about the Burning Man. We enjoyed having it twice. So I hope you enjoyed it once. Maybe, and, listen, maybe listen to it twice. I don't know. Yeah. Or maybe listen to it three times. I yeah. Don't. Maybe you're out there eating some summer, boy, and you decide to listen to it all, multiple times. And drink it up like summer wine or whatever <laughs> the hell he said. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, we're going to be getting into uh, the, the next segment of the episode, uh, Dealer's Choice. But uh, just to let you know, I always, again, I always forget to do the start. This is the Twilight Zone podcast where we, we've been watching the Twilight Zone uh, episode by episode, segment by segment, have done the original series uh, one through five back from the 60s. Uh, go back, check that out. We've covered the Paramount Plus stuff as well. Check that out with some other detours and odds and ends along the way. But we're now into the 80s Twilight Zone. Uh, and this is season one, episode eight, segment C, uh, Dealer's Choice. Uh, so let's just get into who did what here. Okay. So our director on this is a gentleman that we've talked about uh, somewhat recently, uh, Wes Craven. Uh, uh, if you want to hear a lot more of in depth, uh, discussion about him. Uh, we the first segment we had did we had done of the '80s uh, version of the Twilight Zone. Shatterday, he directed that. Yeah, this is the fifth of seven that we'll get from him. So we're close to the end. Of, I know he did this the first season stuff. However, you know, multiple segments of the you know of the Twilight Zone. Good, good on him. Yeah, so if you don't know who Wes Craven is, uh, you definitely need to check into his filmography. Yeah, yeah. if you don't know who he is, he was in Jan- Silent Bob Strike Back. He made a guest appearance there. That's about all I remember him from. Oh yeah, he's also he's also in that uh, uh, that anthology film, uh, Body Bags, and then our writer on this is uh, Donald Todd. Uh, so he'll be directing one more uh, segment to come, uh, but lots of TV work. Otherwise, uh, Alf, some episodes of Alf, uh, Sleepy Hollow, and uh, some show called Samantha Who? Question mark. Yeah, that's with um, uh, Christine Applegate. I remember seeing the name, and I'm like, oh yeah, like. And it was uh, it was like a comedy that did like as well as ones that like you get those first season shows that do well enough to get renewed, and then for whatever reason like people just didn't stick around for the second season. Uh, yeah, but he's been doing a lot of producing. Um, he he uh, did part of one of the first seasons of This Is Us, uh, which I know is a big hit for people. Uh, if you just want to cry a lot, I guess I've never seen This Is Us. I'm fine. I'm good. Thanks everybody. We're not going to be doing a watch through of This Is Us. I don't think. 
Not yet. Not yet. <laughs> yeah, a couple years maybe. We will run uh, dry on this well. Eventually. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I, let's put it this way: we'll get to it, but I think there's probably every other show ever made first that we'll get to. <laughs> That's right. We'll get uh, we're going to get into Mash at some point. <laughs> yeah, that. we're going to do a watch through a Mash to until one of us dies. <laughs> right. Because so. that's what's going to happen. Uh, we're going to cover every episode of Days of Our Lives. No. Oh, no. No. Um, but yeah, Sleepy Hollow. That was a show I, like, I don't know if you remember that or not. That was... Was that a CW show? No, it was Fox. And it had like, um, oh, I think like Ichabod Crane or whatever, like came to, to the today's time. And like, it was like, it was like, it was like fish out of water thing with him partnered up with okay. a cop. And it was kind of cool. It's just, I just never, I don't know. It's like, I liked it enough, but that I just never got back to it. You know, I did like that. He came, he got real hip to the times real quick. Like he was like, kind of like he was, he liked the modern day. And there was a bit where he was stuck in a hotel room where he didn't understand all the amenities initially. And the, the cop actually had to write like little post-it notes to be like, you know, this is how you make coffee. This is how you do this. And it's like, he got, he got up to speed real fast. So the time travel thing didn't bother him so much. It, it kind of reminds me of the premise for um, warlock. If you've ever seen that. <laughs> Yes, um, what was it? Uh, flight potion or whatever. <laughs> but he had to kill the kill the fat kid, right? For for flight potion. Or yeah, because he kid. he boiled the fat of a, a child to to have the ability to fly. And, it, and he picked a especially large child so he could fly really fast and far. I love that movie. <laughs> Ju- Julian Sands. I got the chance to meet him. He was the warlock in it. It was a great nice. film. But uh, yeah, so our cast of of this and not any other things that we were just talking about. Uh, so to lead us off here, we have uh, Dan. Dan Hedia? No, Hedaya. Hedaya. Yeah. Uh, he plays Nick. Uh, very a familiar face amongst a lot of things I've watched when I was growing up. But the, the things that I wanted to point out here is The Usual Suspects. Mm-hmm. Incredible film. Um, he was also in Clueless as the father. Mm-hmm. And he's in Commando. As the father, not really. <laughs> um, yeah. It's like the... like war-torn leader yeah he's like some, the, like the main dictator like yeah. we're the over like the insurgent leader or whatever yeah. something like yeah. that yeah i love his terrible accent and but um and so the next year uh well yeah but dan hadaya uh like of all these guys these are like we're gonna get some big names here but of the cast here they're all very recognizable character actors uh with the exception of one who we're about like about to mention who has has been above that but um, Dan Hadai, he was also an Alien Resurrection. He was Nick Tortelli, the ex-husband of Carla, uh, on, uh, uh, the bartender on Cheers. He actually had a spinoff series called The Tortellis that lasted like six episodes. But yeah, Dan Hadai is just one of those guys that you see, you know who he is, but you may never put like uh, a name to the face. Yeah, he's I, yeah. I love him in all of his roles that I've seen. And just like every time that I see him pop up in something, it's a treat. Yeah. So, uh, but yeah, next year, and I, I did this a little out of order for IMDb. Uh, I figured it was a little bit more befitting of how I done it. But uh, next year we have Morgan Freeman. Uh, he plays Tony. Uh, I don't I, I don't know if I really need to introduce who this guy is and what his filmography is, but some of his bigger roles, for me at least, is uh, Driving Miss Daisy, mm-hmm. which I believe he won an Oscar for. Uh, he was in Seven, which, uh, yes. Uh, and <laughs> and uh, Shawshank Redemption, which is one of my favorite films of all time. So yeah, so just a little bit of background. So beginning in '71, uh, Freeman started on the uh, the PBS show The Electric Company, uh, which if you guys go back, you can see him doing that. And I think he was actually uh, he voiced Spider Man on that too. So there you go. He he is a Spider Man. It's pretty badass. Uh, but he actually did that for four years, and he um, was okay with the money and the the recognition. But he just didn't really like it. Wasn't really his thing. And uh, one of the producers said uh, that uh, Freeman. Um, so it was like, he actually, um, he loathed appearing on it. And then he even said later, he's like, it was a very unhappy period in my life. So after that, 
he would go on to do um, some other like films and films and television, including the Twilight Zone. Uh, in '87, uh, he played a um, a street hustler in a film called Street Smart um, that co-starred Christopher Reeve. And that this is important because one people noticed his performance, and this kind of got him on other things. Which his next film would be Glory, then Driving Miss Daisy, and then Lean on Me. So just on fire. Bam, at that bam, point. Bam, 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 yeah, all great but, films. To tie in, uh, to tie a little bit, Street Smart was a canon film, and the only reason they got funded and produced is because Christopher Reeve agreed to do Superman Four, which is, I mean, like it's kind of kismet because on the other show that I do, Invasion of the Podcast, uh, we just we our last episode was literally about Superman Four because we know what the kids are into these days, and they're like all about that that Superman Four, the quest for peace. Yeah. So the, to knowing that Christopher Reeve got like his like serious movie made to be in Superman and that serious movie got, uh, got uh, Morgan Freeman like up and running. Not that he already wasn't good, but that's what further like got him on like some radars. So I think that's kind of an interesting overlap unplanned by me. Like this, this is the world of when you do podcasting, everything starts connecting the dots and like red, like red, yarn boards and like, you know, conspiracy theories and all that stuff. Yeah. I don't, I, I don't know anybody out there who probably wouldn't know Morgan Freeman is, but uh, fair if, enough. Yeah, yeah if, no. if you're listening out there and uh, this was like some kind of surprise to you, uh, let us know your favorite role of Morgan Freeman. Uh, I, because I mean, mine has got to be Red from Shawshank oh, yeah. Redemption. So I mean, I'd also mention uh, oh the detective from Seven. I forget his last name right now off the top of my head, but Seven is an amazing film. And uh, so next here we have uh, M. Emmett Walsh. Uh, he plays Peter. He was in The Jerk. He was the sniper of The Jerk. Yeah, He, was, he hates <laughs> these cats. <laughs> uh, he was also in Critters, so we bring him back to Oh, the there we go. Yeah, that's yeah. right. That's right. Why Why did I fall fall asleep at the wheel on that one? Yeah, Critters is life, everybody. Talking about connective tissue, everything runs through Critters. And, and to become a little bit more highbrow compared to Critters, uh, Blade Runner. And I completely... They're almost the same movie. Almost. Yeah. Um, I I completely forgot he was in Blade Runner, and I just recently watched it. I'm like, oh my god, he's the dude that hires. Yeah, he's like the main, det- like the, the police guy that brings yeah. it. Yeah, uh, no, again, another very recognizable dude. Seen him in a lot of stuff. He was in a one of the better episodes. I mean, I love Tales from the Crypt, but he's in a really good episode of Tales from the Crypt. If you can look that up, please watch it. Just. With no information, please watch it. It's ridiculous. Yeah, very recognizable guy. He was he voiced in the Iron Giant. Did a voice in the Iron Giant. Slapshot, one of my favorite uh, sports comedies of all time. It's just raunchy and fun, and uh, he's still working. And it's just basically M Emmett Walsh is in like everything. You know, he is in a ton of stuff. So yeah, like it wouldn't surprise me if they told me he was actually Thanos in the Avengers movies. I'd be like, that makes sense. Like, sure, why not? You know. Right. So, uh, and then the next here we have Garrett Moore, Morris. Uh, so this dude, another prolific career. Uh, he plays Jake in this. He did 99 episodes on SNL. Uh, geez. I mean, like I didn't even know he was a part of the cast. He was one of the original cast members. That's, that's insane. Yeah. I had no idea. Um, he, he, um, he was in a lot of different series, uh, especially ones that ran for a longer period of time, including two broke girls. Um, but the one note that I wanted to bring up here, the stuff, the stuff is so good. <laughs> and he plays a uh, chocolate chip, Charlie, which is like, you know, a take on famous Amos. I also want to mention here that, um, and, and so I know, I know Terry, you've seen Ant-Man, the film Ant-Man. Correct. And there's the bit whenever, um, uh, was it Paul Rudd's character in the first film eventually like, ex- like he first tests the suits out and he ends up coming out of like 
the shower drain and all the stuff running around and ends up like uh, something. He ends up exiting this building and becoming big again and falling on top of a car. And the guy who like looks up at him from the car is Garrett Morris. The reason for that is because Garrett Morris was actually the first person to represent Ant-Man on screen. Cause he was, he played him in a skit on SNL. Oh, no kidding. Yeah. So it was kind of like a nice little like, Call oh, look, look, Ant-Man looking at Ant-Man. There we go. I, I love Garrett Morris. Like I just, when you, when you see him, you know, you're getting like, like smart comedy, like, like his line delivery is so good. Um, I think he's also in a undercover brother. I'm like, it's just Garrett Morris is amazing. Like I just, what I, the, like everybody here and we've got one more to, we've got one more to go that even he's a recognizable guy too, but it's like all these guys have like comedy chops, you know, and they, they're, they're good at what they do, but Garrett, I love Garrett Morris so much. Yeah. So, uh, <clears throat> yeah, it was a real treat to see him in this as well. Um, next cast member and last that I have noted here, uh, Barney Martin, uh, he plays Marty. Uh, shows like Seinfeld, uh, did a bunch of episodes of Seinfeld. Uh, he was on Wonder Years for an episode and Full House for an episode, but lots of TV work. Yeah, so he was Seinfeld's father uh, in um, Seinfeld. Uh, so, so the big thing for him, well, aside from that, was that he actually entered show bu- show business being a stand-in for Jackie Gleason on The Honeymooners hmm. uh, in 55 and 56. What that means is, is that they'd have somebody come in that's like a lookalike uh, for probably like blocking and lighting and everything to make sure that like, or they run through stuff. Or like basically if Gleason's not available, they'd have him come in and probably run lines or whatever. But he has that kind of, he kind of looked like Gleason a little bit, right? Yeah, a little bit, yeah. So, uh, so he would do that. And then eventually he was on an episode of The Alfred Hitchcock Hour. Uh, and then he did a lot of TV. So, but again, very recognizable guy. Yeah. So, and then, uh, like I said, that's the last cast member here, unless you had anybody else. That's that's <laughs> it. Because, I mean, it's, it's a very small cast, um, and we'll get into why. Uh, we'll let Mr. Aidman take it away. Just a friendly game of cards. It doesn't take much to buy into this game, but buying out may be something else entirely. You see, there's a wild card on the table in a deck that's been reshuffled and cut in the Twilight Zone. All right, so this is one. Okay, like so. Funnily enough, um, when uh, when we recorded just a couple days ago, uh, when we just did the Burning Man, on the way out the door, Terry had already said he had seen this because he was like trying to like because he was a a good podcaster and was assuming that I had actually recorded the previous episode correctly, so he moved on to the next segment. And then on the way out the door, you're like you're like that. You, you stuck your tongue out like like you were like George the Animal Steel eating a turnbuckle. <laughs> yes. and you're, you're like, I don't know about that. Like, <laughs> normally, normally I'm the one that always kind of has like a leg up because I'm kind of like working ahead. And this was like the one time Terry was in front of me. I'm like, huh, what are we getting into? And um, so um, I'm, I, I'm here to say that I want to challenge you a little bit because uh, I, I actually I actually enjoyed this segment a, a great deal. And I'll, I'll tell you why. But this isn't like it's it's just, you know dudes around a table playing poker, right? You got, you got Nick, Marty, Jake, uh, Peter, and you got Tony, right? And you got them just playing cards like on a, on a Friday night. And it's just the, the, the crux of all this is it's more dialogue and observation as opposed to like, um, like it, it is plot, but it like a to B is that, uh, we're playing this game of poker and it's not all what it seems to be. And somebody's not being honest about who they are. And then when that's revealed, then it changes a little bit. So I don't know how, cause it's like, if we go into like point for point for point for point, it's, it's a lot hanging on dialogue and that gets kind of weird. Right. So, um, I don't know. Like it's, it's almost feels like this in the burning man. You're like, Hey, 
What, like, oh, we were in a car talking all the time? Yeah, okay. I can top you. We're just going to have some dudes around the table talking the entire time. Um, but yeah, they just eventually find out that Nick was kind of a, a sub because their one buddy couldn't make it. And then as they're playing, uh, what was it? Peter uh, starts noticing that like Nick, Nick's winning, you know, a fair number of hands and most of his hands involve triple sixes. That's the big thing. He starts kind of noticing that. Uh, but then we start to kind of get a little bit of character from all the guys. Like it's Peter's house. Uh, oh, what was it? Um, we get, um, uh, I want to call everybody by their actor's name and I'm going to try not to do Jake. that. Jake, Jake's like, Hey, uh, I'm going to get some beer. And he goes like, where's all the beer at? And Peter's like, uh, I drank some earlier today. Cause, uh, it's like, well, why? He's like, well, I was home. There's nothing on TV. And basically I don't have a job. And then, <laughs> And I'm like, I've been day drinking. And like Jake just keeps giving him shit about like, you're hosting. There needs to be beer here. But it shows to something that Peter has something really going on. Yeah. So Pete is also talking about how he's had some you know other issues going on. Actually, it's, a, you know, uh, who is it? Jake says, hey, man, why don't you get a job then? And he's like, well, the market's you know, soft. Market's like, soft. Yeah. I told you about that. And now he's starting to like not make eye contact and everything. And. Well, and Nick's like something about like, well, what about your wife or whatever? Right. And yeah. It's, so it's like, did your wife have a job? And uh, that's when uh, Tony says, hey, he doesn't really like to talk about his wife. And he's like, well, I'm sorry about and that. He's like, well, why does he like this? Because he doesn't like her very much. I'm like, well, all right. That's something going on there. Yeah. Yeah. So like Pete's got some problems. Yeah. And, uh, you know, he's kind of doing the Band-Aid of uh, drinking while his buddies aren't there. And it, it seems from their tone that he doesn't typically do that. And so this is a change of pattern because these guys outside of Nick, because Nick is the new dude who's just subbing in, they seem to have a very good like understanding of each other and like have done this routine multiple times. Yeah. And even to speak to like Marty, who kind of like what Marty, by the way, fix your goddamn hat, like where he was with his Yankees hat, how it was kind of always like pushed in on the one side. I'm like, Marty, just fix your goddamn hat. Anyway, so um, he seems a little dim. Like a little, like just a, like a little, like not, yeah, he might be on the spectrum or something. Like, like that. yeah, like really nice guy, but it's like he's just you know. So, but they, it's one of those things where he's part of the group, and it's like they, like you get the idea. It's like they're all friends, and they've been doing it, like you said for a while. Uh, so yeah, so then, but when we get to uh, with with you know with um, Peter's you know problem, uh, you know at some point, um, you know, so like Nick gets up to go like get some water, Rick. And then also what was it? Uh, uh, Marty goes to use the restroom or something. Marty disappears for like the bulk of the episode, right? He's right. <laughs> check off. He's been in a biscuit. In yeah. There, so, yeah. <laughs> 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 so while, while Nick is away, um, the other three are like, you know what? There's something wrong. Like some of this guy, it's all these three sixes. And they eventually like check, they check his hand. They find three sixes again. And so like at one point, like Peter's like, you know what three sixes mean? And it's like, and then like, um, oh, what was it? Tony's like, oh, isn't it like an evil, evil sign or something? I'm like, like, does none of them understand? Like, that's the mark of the beast. Like, did nobody say that out loud? It was just, I like, I like how, like, you know, like they just kind of glossed over that. And then they start to figure out that maybe because Peter thinks it's the devil. Right. And, um, oh, like one of my favorite lines in this is, uh, I, I, I like how they just kind of accept it pretty quickly. Yeah. <laughs> like that's, that's where it's at. Like that's like, that's the obvious conclusion. Like I listen to Iron Maiden. It's yeah. gotta be the devil. Yeah. And like, how, like, what was it? Like when uh, Tony was like, why would, like, why would the devil be in New Jersey? And, 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 and Jake was like, 
you know, I think he lives here. <laughs> like, there's such a great line there. But like, so, so then Nick comes back and, uh, you know, they, they decide to basically, you know, well, when they also go to call their friend that subbed out Norman to try to check about Nick or whatever. No um, answer. Yeah. Yeah. They, they, but then eventually Nick comes back and like, he, like, it, you know, it becomes pretty apparent that he is the devil. And, um, they're like, well, what about, um, what about Norman? It's like, he said he was homesick. He's like, nah, he was going to go check on a sick uncle. And he looks at his watch. He's like a dead uncle. And they're all like, what? <laughs> <laughs> and then eventually like, you know, uh, Nick reveals that he's there for someone's soul, but he was like, but I like how it's like, well, who is it? And then he's like, come on, guess. And they're like, oh, don't make us guess. I thought that was funny too. But then also how like they like, well, why don't you tell us who you were? And he's like, I didn't want to spoil a good card game. I thought that was a funny line too. It's funny. Yeah. yeah. And even there, like at the beginning uh, of this uh, segment, there was a line of like, who did you come here for? And he's like, what? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That, that's, yeah. It's kind of funny. Right. So like, then, there's little, there's little, little bits. hints yeah. here and there of like that something notorious is going to happen or notorious, but like nefarious is going to happen. Yeah. It's like, okay. So Nick, you know, Tells him like no like we you guys got to guess and <laughs> and it's like I don't know how did they, I, I so they I, played they played like basically you spread the cards out and oh, it they, was like the chose. highest card would of the three of them the highest card would be the one that would be the soul That's taken right. and I like his little like. Hand oh, tricks yeah. and that the, the, the push in. This is actually one of the cooler shots in the episode. Is they did a push in on um, Nick's hands, and you could tell they brought in an actual card expert because the way he was cutting the deck and moving around and fanning the cards is very, very cool. Because it's like the moment. It's like one of those things where it's like uh, it's such a trope where like somebody's like, "Oh, you play this game?" They're like, "Yeah." And like, like I dabble, and all of a sudden they bust out like their custom pull cue and they swing it around or whatever. It's like, <laughs> like it's just like, or they just bring He's a out ringer. Yeah, they bring out their gold medal and. Shine in front of him like yeah i dabble like oh shit the devil like why wouldn't the devil be good at cards you know like right. like he puts down his golden fiddle for a second and yeah. picks up the cards <laughs> right. or whatever it's like yeah. he's still on a, a hickory stump so <laughs> yeah right but like i actually would that's I why wish, he, went, he went to new jersey because he got kicked out of georgia yeah you know, that's what happened i, I wish that they would have said that the 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 card hand guy was um who is it uh robert uh uh, the guy from the, the original series that he kept on showing up in all those different episodes. Oh, oh yeah, that would have been great. Oh, oh shit. Geez, what the hell is his name? Oh, man. I, I, I'm going <laughs> to... The guy that you know, I talked about every time. Yeah. I was excited about because um, I didn't. They I didn't find any notes about who was handling the cards, but they yeah. were definitely trying to make sure that uh, you couldn't see the actor's face. So it's like, well, it's a stand-in then. I mean, yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm gonna look this up because I was like, "What episodes was he in?" And it's like, just throw a dart at the original series, and like he was in most of them. Uh, and then one, the only one I remember off the top of my head is "Persons or Persons Unknown," because you actually see him. He was like Man with Apple. That was the, yeah. <laughs> like uh, Robert McCord. Robert McCord. I wish they would have been well, like. I like, just yeah, remembered like, it now. So yeah, I knew it was Robert something. Yeah, it'd been like and Robert McCord as the dealer, or Robert Devil's McCord, Hands, yeah, or Robert <laughs> McCord as. Uh, the glazed ham in the kitchen or whatever we get to. That'd have been amazing. <laughs> Good call. Uh, but yeah, they do this. I like that. There's the bit whenever, uh, was it, uh, uh, was it whenever they do the, the card thing? Um, how Garrett Morris, the moment, like, you know, was it, uh, was it Tony picks a card? It's like an eight or whatever. Right. And then Garrett Morris picks, I'm sorry. Uh, and he's Jake like, picks like a seven dude. He's like spiking the ball <laughs> in his face. <laughs> and that's when you get Tony like, dude, 
I you can know. still have the highest card. And like how he's, he's just like, like, oh, yeah, yeah. Do you forget about Pete? Yeah. <laughs> but more, even more so, like, you're cheering because I might be the one taken, you know? <laughs> like, that yeah. one, I, I like love, in I your love. face, dead man. <laughs> like, like that just, is I, so I, messed up. I, I think it's funny. But then, yeah, Pete picks the high card. And then uh, at that point, uh, they're getting ready to go. And then that's whenever the other two are like, wait a second. And Pete's like, no, no, that wasn't fair, you know? And so they, they, the three of them were like, yeah, you need to give him a fair chance. It's like, why would you like tell the devil you need a fair chance? But whatever, right? So they pick a game because uh, um, was it Peter Saget to pick the game, right? Because they've been watching Nick all night and like get sixes after sixes after sixes. Um, and and then, this was really clever. This was very clever. Yeah. I've never heard this game. I'm also not an avid card game yeah, player. I mean, so. Who knows? This might have been made up for, you know, perhaps like whatever. So he's like, he calls it low ball. And it's like, basically, it's the opposite of what you want to do in poker, where it's like, you by the end, you want to have a mess of a hand and nothing matching. And that'll be the highest hand, right? right. So if you have anything that's like a pair, um, you know, three of a kind or four of a kind, you're screwed because you have a good hand and the whole goal is yeah, to Yeah, you would opposite. throw out if you had this kind of hand in yeah. regular poker. And but with, with, since the devil keeps getting sixes, they're like, the calculated guess is that he's going to get sixes no matter what. And it's like, that's kind of a fun, that's kind of a fun, like, um, it's almost like, um, uh, it's like a Terry Pratchett, like, idea, like a good omens type of thing where it's like, oh, the devil's good at cards, but all he gets is sixes, you know, that kind of like, and you can use that logic against him. I thought that was like, you're right. I think that was clever. I did like it though, whatever. They're like, okay, what's, what's on the board? And the devil's like, well, I get your soul. And then it's like, well, what do I get if I win? He's like, well, $18. And then, <laughs> and then Jake's like, no, that's, it's six, six, six. Don't do it. And then, and then Peter's like, okay, $19. <laughs> Like, like it's like he became Homer Simpson at that point where it's like, well, what happens to my soul? What if I went, I get $19. You're on. <laughs> like, I thought that was great. It's a great little well, bit, a little bit of dialogue. I love it. Well, they it. busted up the logic there in a, for a moment though. Cause it, even when Nick is about to walk away the ta- from the table and take his claim, he said, no, I wasn't going to take your guys's money. That was just for fun. You, yeah. This is your guys's money. But now it's like now he's able to wager the money that he was just given back. Yeah, to I the think dudes. it's it's almost like have you ever seen the film Multiplicity? Yes. There's the bit whenever um, they're trying to talk to the fourth clone uh, of uh, that is kind of <laughs> kind of like he's not quite right versus the other three, and then they're trying to get information out of him. And he loves Pepsi, and there's a whole like two liter bottle of Pepsi across the table that he could reach and grab at any time, but they make it sound like he can get some Pepsi if he just answers the questions. That's what it felt like there, where it's like you you could just go over and grab that $18. Like no one cares, but it's like, if you idiots think that's what we're going to play for game on, I feel like that was kind of one of those things. Like whatever. Anyway, it's just a fun, like these, these actors are game because the, the, the situation is ridiculous. And the dialogue is, I think the dialogue is pretty great in this, but they play, um, they play this low ball game. And um, it turns out that um, Peter gets like four fives. And we see that the devil had, three sixes, but his, his, uh, down card wasn't shown. Well, he turns over the down card and it's a, it's a tarot card suddenly, which I think that's cheating. Well, he's getting up from the table. He's like, that's it. That's, yeah. Cause he shows the it. death card. Like, why would, like, why would that tarot card suddenly be in there? Like, it's like, come on devil, you piece of shit. Uh, but yeah. And he's like, all right guys, deals a deal. Come on. And then that's when we get, um, oh, we get, uh, what's his name? Um, Marty coming back in his hat's still not any better. And he's confused by everything, which that sets the precedent too, because he's been confused by cards all night. So when he goes to touch that card, the devil's like, don't do that. Cause he even mentioned earlier that they're like, well, what about Marty soul? He's like, well, some people are uncorruptible. 
like basically being like, I can't get him. He's too nice of a guy. So when the really nice guy touches the tarot card, it becomes the fourth six. And they're like, devil, why did you cheat us? <laughs> and he's like, all right, guys, you got me. And he's like, all right, here's your money. No, no, he didn't say anything about the money. He just, he like kind of like, you know, does one of these where he just like wipes his hands clean. He's like, all right, can't say that I'm not a fair guy. And then he's like, you know, he's like, it's been a lot of fun. Maybe I could host the next game. <laughs> And he's like, I'll make sure I can accommodate all of you. And I'm like, okay. And so here's where I think it gets like even more ridiculous. I was waiting for like, I was waiting for that little twilight zone twist where they go in the kitchen. The, 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 the fridge is stocked full of beer. There's an amazing like spread of food and they're all like, all right guys, game on. It's like, you like, you'd almost expect the beer all to be flat and like the food just to taste like garbage. <laughs> Cause it's the devil, right? Yeah. It's kind of like that Simpsons thing with like, when it was at the treehouse of terror where Homer had the monkey's paw, he eventually like tried to figure out the perfect wish for a Turkey sandwich. And then he eventually, cause he's like, no zombie turkeys, none of this, whatever. And he takes a bite of it. And he's like, it's pretty good. It's a little dry. <laughs> it's a little dry. You know? Well, that like, reminds me of little Nicky as well. <laughs> the cinematic classic, the little Nicky like, where, um, he tries to, uh, do the evil thing or whatever. And he takes a Coca-Cola and makes it take taste like Pepsi. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, well, it's a start. It's a start. Yeah. So, but yeah, they're excited that there's this full spread. And they're like, game on. And then eventually they tell Peter, it's like, oh, you didn't get your money. He was like, you know what? I'm calling it even. I'm like, fair enough. But then, uh, what was it? Um, Tony's like, hey, we're going to go fishing on Sunday. And then all of a sudden, all of them have all these reasons to not. Like, what was it? Peter's like, nah, I should go and see my wife. And then, uh, what was it? Jake's like, I got to go to church. And it's like, they all, they all kind of get nudged into being better people because they've had the, this brush with the devil. Yeah. Except for Tony. He's like, I'm going to go fishing. I like how none of them suggest that they have to go see the doctor within that week because they're just are drinking a shitload of beer now yeah. and they're eating a bunch of terrible food. Like, I think that's that in itself is like the devil's long game it was yeah. like hey here's all these carbs and all this all yeah. this enjoy the, enjoy the salted meat <laughs> <laughs> all right so yeah that's um that's your story and like so i'm gonna put it to you um you gave me the yuck face on the way out the door a couple days ago for this mm. um i i was i really enjoyed this i like i'm not saying this is one of the few comedy scripts I've seen in the show that like, it's something maybe because it's the absurd humor of like, it is life or death stakes, but somehow they just lean in. And then some of the, like the fact that like the, the, the game goes for a soul and $19 is just, it, that's always going to be funny to me. And like some of the things like Garrett Morris chews up all the scenery, like there's some really funny lines in this. Um, and I, and I think some of it holds up real well. And Dan Hadaya uh, is the devil. Like he has some good lines too. Like that's Mr. Devil to you. At one point he says, it's like, yeah, he gets pretty serious. Yeah, it's uh, pretty funny. I don't know. Like it's, I think it's mostly because the conclusion was it's the devil. Like there was no other rational thought. There mm-hmm. was just like, it's gotta be the devil. It's not that this dude is like, I don't know, fudging the hands every time or whatever. It's like, and especially since I don't know, you can, you can, he has long sleeves. I don't know. It, I just, I don't know. The conclusion of just what it is the devil. Like, I don't know. That's just a little ridiculous to me. And everybody's on board. It's like, but yeah, here, this is enough evidence. He's getting sixes every time. That just doesn't make any sense to me. 
But I, I mean, as a comedy episode, it has done better than the previous segments that we've watched from this rendition of the Twilight Zone. I, I still feel like this is better than a lot of the comedy segments from the original Twilight yeah, Zone. Well, that's yeah. fair, too. I mean, like, by far better than the Bard. So, <laughs> but I, I don't know. It, it's just it's not a good episode for me. I like some of the, the things that are happening in this. Um, I love the, the characters. Like, the characters are fun. But just lot some of the logic i'm like so no one knew who nick was and this dude just comes in and just sits well, down that almost kind of speaks to like the power of the devil where it's like he's so good at like slipping in there everyone's like oh i mean i know like it could almost have even been better have been like oh so and so could make it tonight it's like yeah it's like so did you invite him it's like no i thought you invited him like I, you could have had that kind of like he kind of comes in and clouds everybody's like you know they they're not sure why he's there like it's almost like that like oh he's just been here all this entire time like you know whatever like you could have written that a little better right so i i I agree with you um and the whole with them immediately buying in is ridiculous you're right if the rest of the episode didn't have like like ridiculous humor and making the stakes like dumb but also big I think I would have had a problem with them like buying in so fast right like And, and he could have I don't know done something to show that he had power there was nothing up until that card reveal they were just all in at that point being supposedly like, him calling p- out the death of the uncle was enough for them to be like oh no but it's like i can look at my watch and be like oh somebody died right now somebody died yeah, yeah. on earth right now yeah probably that dude because he yeah. was whatever <laughs> but i would have liked at least a reveal of when he would take his hat off, it was it would be uh, something close to Julie Newmar. Yeah, and uh, I forget the name of the episode. Uh, it was I, of late, I think, of Cliffordville. Yes. Why did I come up off the top of my head of that, but not Robert McCord? I don't Which, know. You why. talked about nineteen times or whatever the hell it was. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it's just but yeah. So like, like, if he would actually, it'd be even better if he would take it off his hat and become Julie Newmar. That would have been. <laughs> I would have looked. I would have been that. okay with that. Yeah. I just, that would have been perfectly fine by me. Uh, that would have been, yeah, that would have been okay. It's almost like that. Was it? Uh, uh, was it uh, Jason Lee from Dogma? Was it yeah. Jason Lee? Yeah, like where he's like he's always wearing the fedora because he has the horns. Like that would have been that would have been okay. Like it would have been just as over the top with the rest of the segment, and that'd have been fine. It would have been kind of cheap, but it would have been something to give them at least more acknowledgement that the fact that he is the devil. Yeah. You know, like, why not even have Burgess Meredith be this part? And just him come in with a weird cigar. Dude, seriously. <laughs> Burgess Meredith would have done He would have chewed this up even oh, more. Like, I mean, not, so much fun. nothing against uh, Dan. Hadaya. Hadaya. Yeah. Like, I, again, I love him and all the things I've ever seen him in. Burgess Meredith is badass. Like, yeah. it would have been fun. I just, so that's, okay, I'm going to put this to you here too. Like, um, this feels like a script the way it's written and the way it's presented. There's no reason why this couldn't have existed in the original series. And I think it could have been a lot of fun. Right. You know, and like, so maybe, and it's not fair to judge one against the other uh, because, you know, every show has the right to kind of carve out its own niche. And we've seen some different swings here on this, this, this 80 series so far, some good, some not so good, but that's indicative of anything anthology. But it just there's something that's also a delight to me thinking there there was one of the was it the second episode of the original series called was it the second episode it's one of the earlier seasons no it's not the second episode but it's one of the earlier ones like um one for the angels i think it might even be the third episode of season 1 uh where there's a character called Mr. Death that's going to the salesman 
uh, that's like, okay, it's time to go. And it's like, he wants to make one last pitch. Yeah, you're right. And then, but the guy who's playing Mr. Death, like he eventually gets tired of this guy trying to sell because the guy keeps talking and talking and talking. That's a dude from Jaws. Um, the, the, the salesman. Yeah. Isn't that Um, the, the, well, no, the, uh, the the devil guy who comes to... Oh, okay, maybe. I, you're right. It's been a while since I've done my look at that. Yeah, I just know. Um, yeah. So, oh, that makes sense. Yeah, but there's something about <laughs> like... Sense. Yeah, because I'm like, I'm like, oh, yeah, my, the, the, the face, that would make sense to me. But um, but I like the idea of like if you... Because he was, even though he was the Grim Reaper, you, he still had that kind of like human side of like, can you just stop talking? I got, you know, I got things to do. Because there's even the line in this too where it's like, all right, what's one more game? He's like, it's Friday. I can sleep in. <laughs> Like, why would the devil be like, oh, it's sad. I can sleep in tomorrow. It's fine. Like, I don't know. There's just, there's plenty <laughs> there's of no here that, one to kill yeah. early in the morning. Yeah, sure. Whatever. Right. So anyway, it's just, no, I enjoy, I enjoyed this. I like it. it, it maybe it's also because, um, and again, you shouldn't, I think on a Friday night watching these three segments together of act break, the burning man in this act break is terrible. Like the humor there is just, it's just, it just, it's so like just tone deaf. Burning man is the, you know, the one that you got to like, Oh, that's the one to chew on. It's really good. And then it's like, and this is almost like, it's like the dessert. Cause you ate your vegetables. That was act break, you know, like, and maybe that's not fair. Cause it's been what three weeks removed. Like as we talk about them, but thinking of them as a whole, this, this was a pleasant surprise considering how bad the humor was in the first segment of the episode improper. Yeah, definitely. Uh, and th- one of the things that I m- maybe in my eyes would have worked a little bit better is if maybe if we put this in a saloon, you know, an old timey saloon, we have these five regulars that go in there and all of a sudden the regular dude isn't there. And because, you know, somebody just walks in, sits at the table. It's their sure. table. I, that would have been that would have been a fun Western comedy episode too. Like I'd have been okay with that. Like sure. Like that. I do like the idea that there's this weird New Jersey like pride of like yeah, you know what the we devils are, like like we are jerks. But we're better than you. It's like, you know, like, I just, I don't know. There's that whole, like, it's kind of that. I mean, we live in Cleveland. It's the whole Cleveland thing of like, yeah, sure. We're not the greatest, but shut up. Don't talk bad about this. You don't know, you know? So anyway, um, I don't know. Did you have any other notes about this? I have a little bit of trivia. Uh, no, I didn't have anything else. I'm sure you were going to bring up the one thing that I did find, which there wasn't very much. So go ahead and we'll see if I, if it aligns. So there was a commentary track with Phil DeGare and Wes Craven, and there wasn't a lot on there other than they just enjoyed working with everybody. And, um, and also that Wes talked about how hard it was to shoot in this because the set was so small. Because uh, you have you know, five guys around a poker table on a small set, and he talked about the nightmare that it was because there's this thing. It's like it's it's like you want to do match cuts when you do when you do editing, where you want to make sure sight lines are correct, where someone's like turning or looking at somebody. Like the edit has to make sense. Like you don't want to have somebody talking and turning their head to the right, and then the cut be someone looking to their left. Like you want to have this continuity. So he had to shoot things like multiple multiple times to make sure he got the coverage because if the actors aren't like if they're not reacting correctly or maybe they look somewhere different, like it could screw up the edit in terms of like, cause you got to have, it's something that when it's done really, really well, nobody will ever notice cause it's seamless. And I'm not that like, I'm not that smart to notice like whenever it goes badly and unless there's something like you can tell sometimes there's glaring errors in editing. Right. right. Like we, we just, um, what was it? Um, 
uh, Paladin of the Lost Hour uh, that had some p- bad issues, and we, we knew why, because of the weird coverage issues they had with the actor. But with this, it's like, you know, it's like they overshot, and they actually went like over like like half a day shooting to make sure they had the coverage for the edit. And you watch this, and you don't think about it because it's just five guys around a table. And it's such a small story that you don't think about the complexity of the editing. But that's pretty significant. It makes a lot of sense that, um, and especially in the fact that you have the small set, you have like like you said the continuity of like certain shots and that. So if you have two beers sitting next to Pete, you want those two beers to be sitting there with the transition of shots. You yeah, know? that too. Yeah, but it's like there's even bits when they get up. There's some nice there's some nice framing. And I, I didn't catch the screenshots of this, but whenever the devil's about to walk out the first time, you have the three of them. You have um, you know. Um, Pete, Jake, and Tony stand up, and the way that they're standing, it's almost in like an ascending order from left to right. It's like it's like it's like um, there, there's this nice blocking that you see too, that you see all three characters clearly, but they're standing from like I mean, in regards to the camera from shortest to high, the tallest, that may not be accurate, but you see all three of them, and that that's you even see um that kind of framing happen in the original series. That's just good cinematography. There's um there's an episode called The Last Flight, that's also in one room for mostly. And there's three characters in that too. And you get some of that symmetry that goes on with that. Cause it's a smart filmmaking. Um, and with this, it's like, I, I, I want to pay attention to editing more because it's very important. And I think it's something that the cinematographer, the director and the editor all have to work in harmony for. Um, but again, it's, 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 it's almost a thankless job because if you do it really, really well, no one knows that you did your job. It, it, it's very difficult to have all of those, those things combine together to be perfect. It, but if anybody sees it, then you're you're it it's you're the you're the yeah, worst. You error, are the worst. If there's an error, or if they're going to be shoot, crucified, if they didn't shoot correctly on set, like I, you know, there's there's just, there's a lot of different ways to 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 screw it up. And Wes Craven, this was his first time doing something so tight, and like so, he learned a lot from this that I'm sure served him better later. And they, there's a whole thing too in the discussion about how there wasn't a uh, video assist at the time, like they like meaning when they shot this in the '80s. Um, later when they did the, the recording for the commentary track in the late, late nineties, that there's a video assist now that would run from the primary camera to a video monitor. And the director sits off to the, off to the side and watches the monitor. Mm-hmm. Cause that's what the camera sees. And he's like, he's like, there's kind of, he's like, yeah, I do that now too, but there's something to be said. Cause like he said, traditionally what you do is you sit as close as you could to the primary camera, which this is a one camera setup. Like they didn't have multiple cameras. They would just move the camera around to get the, Oh, that's actually needed. really cool. Yeah. Cause he's like, cause he's like two camera setups. He's like, one of them's always wrong. <laughs> like, Cause you know, you got one set up perfectly. One's always not right. So he's like, that's why I'd prefer one camera setups for stuff like this. And a lot of things too. Um, he said, traditionally you'd want to sit as close as you could to the camera. That means you were looking kind of where they were too. And he's like, in that case, in those instances, is you'd be closer to the actors too so you could actually talk to them as opposed to being so far away that you had to come over and give notes so there's something about the intimacy that he did appreciate and Phil DeGear appreciated as well during the commentary because um, they talked about how things had changed uh, but again like you and I just watching this um, you don't think about it. It, it, but, but the way it's shot, you feel like you're sitting at the table with them and the continuity, uh, and the match cuts, it all works really, really well. Um, you know, not, not to give high praise to the segment, but it's cause it's like, it's well shot, well edited, which is what you should expect of professionals doing their job. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's uh, so that's the one thing. 
another bit of trivia. This one's going to make you laugh is that the prop guy got frustrated with the kitchen spread because every time he'd go back and check half of it would be gone. <laughs> like, <laughs> this isn't the craft services table guys. Like get away from it. Yeah. Everybody would just go and eat all the food and take stuff off the, off the set. So he got really frustrated. So I think he even went up to, uh, to like Wes and was like, Hey, let everybody know I sprayed it with ant poison. Like basically just be like, don't touch it. I, <laughs> I put hair, I put nair on it or not nair, uh, aqua net to yeah, make it yeah. like yeah. have a glow to it. Yeah. Like, I just, I like the idea. It's like every time I'm like, God damn it. Like half the ham would be gone. Like Garrett Morris is just running away with pieces of ham in his mouth. I would like, I would love it. Oh yeah. Anyway. So that, that's like, that's a funny bit of trivia, but if that's your job, that has to be really, cause one also to talk about like, there's only one shot in the, the kitchen, right? Yeah. But still for continuity, you don't want half your goddamn ham missing. <laughs> they cut around it. You right. Know? Because like, you, it's supposed to look like this smorgasbord yeah. of like stuff that was there for them at the end. It's like, yeah. So I, I want to know how many times they like, you had to go back and it was like, what happened to the rest of the ham? I just want to believe at some point they just took like a piece of foam and painted it pink and just put it down. It's like, good luck with this, you know, whatever. <laughs> yeah. So that's the only trivia I got for uh, the episode, which I thought that was funny. So. So yeah, I guess we should just uh, go ahead and rate that twist. Uh, twist rating is always one through five. Uh, that does not indicative of the segment or episode, but one meaning we saw it from a mile away and five meaning mind blown. Um, you know, I didn't realize that Nessa was going to be the devil to begin with, but pretty quickly they were getting into the sixes. So you're like, eh, something's weird with going on with the, the card playing. I, so I gave that a two. Um, I guess I was just more pleasantly surprised that it actually kind of stayed the course of the comedy and worked, but that's not really a twist. It's more like my faith in humanity got restored a little bit with the twilight zone comedy segments. So where would you put that at? I guess if we, when we finally understand that he is the devil and that they're going to have to play a hand to get out of this situation, I, I kind of align with a two yeah. because it was so kind of goofy. Because well, anytime the devil's I, involved, there's always going to be a challenge, right? Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I imagined that was going to be the scenario. I also kind of knew that they were going to win in the end because of the tone of this episode. I, it didn't seem to go dark, dark at any one point, even when they were talking about the one guy's uncle passing away. It never felt like, oh my God, here's this guy you know, fire and brimstone is going to start coming down on these dudes at the poker table. It never felt that way. It was just like, well, it's kind of still goofy. So two, it yeah. seems two to me. I think it, that's fair. So do you have any other, do you have any other people that played the devil that you think actor wise that you've liked a lot? Oh, I, it, as far as playing the devil, uh, geez, I can't, that's a weird spot to put me in. Who, who would that like be for I, you? Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, you don't want uh, uh, like Ernest, Ned Flanders, <laughs> yeah, 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 as the devil, They're like uh, Ernest Borgnine from the Devil's Reign. No, I'm kidding. No, uh, like, uh, no the one I was just going to mention was Ray Wise. Uh, he played the devil in that. There was a show on the CW or whatever it was called then, called Reaper, mm. that got kind of gutted because of the writer strike back then. He's such a good devil. He's so good as that. That's that's a show that I'd recommend people to watch, but understand that it doesn't end. I mean, the season ends, and it, it, there's some big cliffhangers. So it's like it doesn't give you everything, but there's so much good there. Okay, within that moment, um, I did think of, of Ernest Borgnine. Two. Uh, oh, okay. No. Uh, so you've seen Constantine the film, right? Yeah. The the Russian dude or whatever. That's oh in, yeah yeah yeah. That's that, yeah, yeah. just how weird that guy is and how like he approached the character. It is it's almost frightening to see Peter how, Stormare. 
Oh, he's yeah. he is yeah. great as the devil. Just his name alone makes it sound like he, Peter Stormare. Like, yeah, he's the devil. Yeah, yeah. and an Al Pacino in uh, yeah. Devil's Advocate. Oh, yeah, that's a good one too. Yeah, that movie. It's just it's kind of like just it. It's a, it's maybe a little long for what it is, but he's so good every time. You just get just let him run with it. He's so good. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, like, I there's obviously lots of uh, iterations of what the devil is and how. You know, people perceive him, how he can be a jokester, whatever. Like, I, I don't need the jokey guy every time. I just want to see Sinister. I want to see, I want to imagine Iron Maiden. Like, <laughs> like I want I want the craziest, scariest mofo on the screen. Fair enough. All right. So, all right. That's going to do it for our discussion about dealer's choice. Uh, before we get into what we're talking about next, you guys can find us on Facebook at, at Strange Highways. You can email us directly at strangehighways at gmail.com. Uh, wherever you find your podcast, rate and review us would be greatly appreciated if you enjoy the show and the conversation. Um, let other people know. I know rating and reviewing things is a little tough. I've tried looking, so I can't. I'm not going to ask you to do a thing that, you know, if it's impossible, but if you like this, it, you know, just share the show and uh, cause we enjoy the conversation. We enjoy sharing it with you and the more the merrier. And uh, Terry, how can people find us otherwise? We are on Instagram people. You're missing the fun. We haven't had any people reach out to us recently and it's making me sad. Yeah. Come like, over uh, to Instagram. Check it out. Like, you know, they got pictures. I like pictures, you know, <laughs> that's, all, that's all Instagram is, right? Is just pictures, pictures and, like, and videos, and videos of cats. Cause I think there's the integration now on Facebook where the algorithms keep showing me like, um, Instagram, like videos. From I see ca- lots cats. of armadillos now and yeah. cats and people playing guitar. Uh, there's this one cat. I, I think they, they it, it's weird looking like hairless cat with large eyes and they, they refer to it as a fruit bat and it's a, entertaining to me and i'm like i click on one video and i keep seeing one every couple days i'm like mm. Ooh, bring me more of the fruit cat <laughs> and there's also somebody that has a serval cat one of those large yeah, like, yeah, yeah. it's like chloe uh, and the they, they feed it the big chickens and then yeah, yeah like, just i don't know those growls well that well there's chloe the serval who looks like a large house cat and it's like the body of the cat is so big but the head's a little small and i'm like how did you get a tiny head for being such a large indoor also you shouldn't be an indoor, indoor cat because you're going to kill somebody one day but anyway, I still watch them. Anyway, it's neither here nor there. Go to Instagram. There's cat videos. Follow us there too. It'd be greatly appreciated. Um, but yeah, like again, uh, we enjoy this. I, I appreciate uh, Terry joining joining me on this journey. Uh, you know, good, bad, otherwise. Um, yeah. And so uh, let's get into what we're uh, doing next. And now, Mr. Serling. All right. So um, for people that have been watching this on the DVD set, we have now completed disc two. <laughs> We're now moving on to season one, episode nine, segment A. Achievement unlocked. Yeah, so we're on to disc three for those at home that are watching. <laughs> it is a, it's a, a segment called Dead Woman Shoes. That is, uh, it's it's a, a kind of an update uh, from the original series episode, Dead Man's Shoes, that was in season three. Um, I'm sure since I've seen that one, I'm going to probably have a lot of comparisons. So, so yeah, we'll see. This is another one of those ones that they're kind of trying to update an original episode. Um, we'll see, right? The, the pretty interesting cast, but I, I don't know. We'll, we'll see how it goes. Cause dead man's shoes wasn't very good. So maybe this is just better in general. We'll see. I'll have to revisit it. I'm, I'll have to make my uh, notes double time this time to compare both. <laughs> yeah. So there we go. We're going to, we're going to look at a lot of dead people's shoes. Uh, next week so uh that's going to do it for us this week everybody have a good week have a safe week um uh just no one to hold them no one to fold them no one to walk away and no one to not eat uh deviled ham and the free beers from the devil i don't know i got i got nothing and you make sure you're ready to call out the devil when he's trying to bullshit you
Michael Dorney in New Jersey. What are you talking about, Tony? I think he lives here. 